Jesus is on a journey to Jerusalem. He is confronted by a scholar, a teacher of the Jewish law, who wants to test him. In the Gospels of St. Mark and Matthew, Jesus is asked about the greatest commandment. But here in St. Luke's Gospel, the lawyer asks what he, and by inference we, must do to inherit eternal life. In the other two Gospels, Jesus answers the question by quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, on loving God with all your heart, and then speaks of Leviticus 19.18, on loving your neighbor as yourself. Here, Jesus asks the expert to answer the question, what is written in the law? The man is caught and responds with Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. This verse has become, for Judaism, one of their most important prayers. It is still said to this day by religious Jews, by those who still practice Judaism. And in the time of Jesus, it was said twice a day. Love of God, love of neighbor are what are required for eternal life. Jesus' response is simple. Do this and you shall live. Well, having been shown up, shall we say, by Jesus, the lawyer tries another question. Well then, who is my neighbor? upon whom I must love like myself. Well, in the society of Jesus' time, with its distinctions between Jew and Gentile, men, women, slave, free, clean, unclean, this was a trick question. Jesus responds, with one of the most pointed of all the parables, the story of the Good Samaritan. And it is found only in St. Luke's Gospel. Now, a little geography. The road from Jerusalem to Jericho is about 17 miles long. Jerusalem is on a mountain. Jericho is on or in the great African rift that's going to run all the way down to the Dead Sea, all the way down to the Red Sea, and all the way down into Africa. It descends 3,300 feet in 17 miles. Now, if my 10th grade math served me well, that is a 4% grade. For the summer, I'm living with an uh, engineering student. But when I was writing the homily, he wasn't home to check my math. I also understand that a 17, a 7% grade is considered a very 
difficult grade. So 4% is nothing to sneeze at as you come from Jerusalem going down to Jericho. In its narrow passes, that road with its rocky terrain, oh, well, it made it easy for bandits, for thieves, for bad guys to wait to ambush travelers. The traveler in this parable is identified only as a certain man. St. Luke often uses this phrase in many of the parables that he retells that Jesus told so that the audience, whether they are Jew or Gentile, could identify with the man. After the attack, the man was left for dead, naked, bleeding, on the side of the road. A priest comes along, headed for the temple in Jerusalem to serve God. Okay, Today we would say, Father was running late to get to Mass, okay? He was headed for the temple. So, rather than helping, as one might expect a holy man to do, he moves to the other side of the road. Another religious person comes along. He's a Levite in our world. He's a deacon who also assists at the temple. His reaction is the same as the priest's. Both of them choose to not even find out if the man is alive because if the victim were dead or bleeding, these two servants of God would not be able to serve God. They would be ritually unclean. They would miss their month of service out of the 12-month cycle. They were unclean. So that's why they went to the other side of the road. Now a third person comes along. The listeners would probably expect this person to be an Israelite too. This would make the parable a criticism of the religious leadership of Jesus' time. But instead, this third person, well, he's a Samaritan, an Israelite's most hated neighbor. In 721 B.C., I don't know this for a fact, because I wasn't there, but... Oh, come on. Mario was... Come on, work with me here. 721 B.C., when the northern tribes of Israel were defeated by the Assyrians. The Assyrians took all the, the, the top-level professionals back to Assyria and left the rest of the people in the northern tribes and then brought their riffraff to come and to intermarry with them to completely water down any kind of Jewish practice that they might be involved with. Samaritans, you see, were descendants of Jews. Yes, they were in the northern part of the country, 
and they had intermarried with the Gentiles, the Assyrians, and probably the biggest issue was they had their own temple in the north. They didn't come to Jerusalem. The Samaritan not only goes over to the injured man, but he cleans his wounds, put him on his own animal, takes him to an inn to recover, and then tells the innkeeper, if we, if it costs more than these two silver coins, I will pay all of his expenses when I come back this way. The hated enemy of the Jews is the compassionate neighbor in this parable. Jesus in this story has demolished all boundary expectations. It is not social definitions such as class, religion, gender, ethnicity that determines who is our neighbor. A neighbor is a person who acts with compassion towards another. The point becomes not who deserves to be loved, as I love myself, but that I, I, become a person who treats everyone with compassion. When Jesus asks the lawyer, who was the neighbor in the story, the lawyer cannot bring himself to say the word, Samaritan. Can't get it out. All he says is that it was the one who treated him with mercy. And Jesus' response is for the lawyer, and my friends, it is for us too this day. Go and do likewise. You see, the lawyer and we know what is right. We know what is right. The key is, will we do it? Amen.